Welcome to Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for black women. This program is produced to help women of color in leadership move from their zone of excellence to their zone of genius by eliminating any false upper limits caused by race, gender, culture, or their own inner critic. This program is dedicated to the legacy of Harriet Tubman, who held a lantern in the dark for all of us. I'm your host, ICF Certified Executive Leadership Coach, Joya jefferson Nury. Welcome to my podcast. There are a lot of things that successful people do to get ahead. Many of them use a mentor or a sponsor. With your mentor, your mentor is going to share with you all the things they have learned throughout their career and help you along the way with great advice. If you have a sponsor, your sponsor is in the position to open the doors, to introduce you to the right people, help you write that resume and get it into the right people who need to help you move forward. But the one thing all people who have great ambition have in common, and that's having an executive leadership coach. An executive leadership coach will help you make sure that your desire for growth and fulfillment are being met. An executive leadership coach becomes your your accountability partner and will help you get to your desired end, whether that is up the corporate ladder or as an entrepreneur. But even though having a coach is so important to success, 66% of white people have one, but only 9% of black people in leadership have an executive leadership coach. That statistical difference is staggering because we all have this ambition to be at the corporate top, whether your own corporation or somebody else's, but yet we don't take advantage of having an executive coach. Now there's another stat that is equally as staggering. In the United States alone, there are over 100,000 executive leadership coaches. Some call themselves executive leadership coaches, some call themselves life coaches, but there are well over 100,000 people, most of them certified in some way or another, and 100,000, but of that 100,000, only 9% of the coaches in this country are black. That says something, which is why I invited Tawana Burroughs to join our show. Tawana is the founder and president of Coach Diversity Institute. And what they do is help narrow that gap to make sure that there are more black coaches and that more people in leadership who are people of color actually use an executive leadership coach. We've already talked about the magic of having an executive leadership coach. So now let's find out why there aren't more coaches and there aren't more people using them. Tawana, welcome to Unshackered Leadership. Oh, thank you so much, Joya. What a wonderful introduction. Those statistics were powerful, right? Yes, yes. Unbelievable. But yes, that is why I do this work. Thank you for the invitation. Why do you, let's start with the people who use or should use executive leadership coaches. And in full disclosure, the audience knows that that's what I do for a living. So it's not self-serving. It is facts. 
So why aren't more people of color using executive leadership coaches? All right. So we're going to jump right on to it and be extremely honest. And that is because the diversity at the senior levels doesn't exist. So you can't take advantage of opportunities in the greater numbers because representation is not in the greater number. Because only 4% and, of executives in this country are black women. Only that's 4%. Right. That's right. And so when you look at that alone, you see that's where the, the problem is. But this is the other statistic that would serve you is that when you look at the number of of the black population in any organization, how many of that, those individuals within the specific group are taking advantage. And that number is obviously much higher. And the, and what I've learned over the last eight years in working within organizations, providing coaches to organizations, as well as training people in coaching, is that the number of the popularity of bringing coaches into the organization and allowing coaches to support all levels of leadership in the organization is now increasing in popularity. It is a retention model. It's a retention gift coupon. That's what I like to call it. Because many organizations realize that if I want to retain that quality talent, whether I'm hiring diverse or not, I want to retain the talent. How can I do that? They need coaching. And executives and order senior leadership understand the benefits of that. And that's why they're investing further down in the organization to tap into that color band or the band where there are more people of color. I understand what exactly what you're saying, but it is my experience that a lot of black people mid-level and up don't recognize it's something that is theirs to have. There are a lot of companies have professional development funds that they know nothing about, especially mid-level who want to be into that C-suite level. Okay, they don't realize it's available to them. So is this something people have to go dig up or should companies make like have a litany of professional development services on a list somewhere? So there, it both both and. So I would say it's the company's responsibility when you're thinking about investing in your employees for professional growth and development and coaching is just one of the additional things you're doing, it's important that you advertise it the right way. So that would mean advertising that you have a diverse bench of coaches. What has happened in the past and but has changed in the last five years is that they were typically people who were white male or middle-aged white women who represented the coaching community that they would have to select from. When we started onboarding more and more of our corporate clients, what they liked about us the most is that we offer a diverse pool of coaches of all races, genders, and ethnicities, sexual orientation. So the diversity is there and the client or the employee gets to pick the coach of their choice. Typically, they're looking for someone that looks like them. That's the first filter of bias. And then after that, it rolls into the bio and the biography and what do we have in common? As you know, most people of color are looking for someone that is similar in some way regarding experience, how they're experiencing the world, how you experience corporate behavior, how you experience anything that I can connect with. 
And so when you don't advertise a coaching program and there's nothing that I can connect to or relate to in any level, I'm not going to participate. I won't trust it and I'm not going to waste the time. Mm -hmm. So we have encouraged our leadership to make sure you're advertising this program in these ways. And we help them so that we are attracting that, um, that leader with high potential who happens to be black and or any other race and ethnicity that would allow them to take full advantage of these opportunities. And so we have designed programs that would allow them to be nominated into the coaching programs, or they will volunteer because the advertising and promotion is done different. Let's go back and delve into why people want a coach that looks like them. Mm-hmm. All of my clients are women of color. Mm-hmm. And and when I say women of color, they're black, they're from India. I mean, one is literally in India and I have a Puerto Rican woman and I'm getting far more outreach from women who understand that when I say black, they're talking about, I'm talking about color. Why, I know why, but I'd love to hear the deep down what happens when the coach and you and the client are of the same ethnicity. Okay, so our research shows that any client that selects a coach that's like them, visually like them, like in this example, let's say Black, they're doing it because the first thought is we can relate to the most basic Mm -hmm. challenges and obstacles that we face just in the United States. But on a global perspective, they still relate because oppression and systemic injustice can be consistently consistent across Apply the to globe. us if, if our skin is dark, if our if we're Italian, or if we That's are right. this, what we That's suffer right. in the world is the exact That's same right. thing. That's right. I had a client explain to me why she chose, she had a white coach. The company assigned her a white coach or only had a list of white mm-hmm. males and she's a black woman. She said she was looking for somebody whose family would celebrate Thanksgiving the way she did. And what she meant was common language, common history. Mm -hmm. We would find the same things funny. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we could Mm -hmm. talk honestly about Mm -hmm. racism Mm -hmm. being othered in the workplace Mm -hmm. because so often people of color are the only one in their company or one of three who have made it to the C-suite. That's right. And so they, your coach has to be somebody you can honestly talk to about what's going on and have a good laugh if it's necessary. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And I and the uh, and on top of that, which is why I enter the coaching community in the education space um, when I did is because there weren't enough and you you shared the statistic earlier about how we lack the the diversity. And so when you have clients um, who, like your clients, who basically are hunting and looking for someone that they could have a conversation about Thanksgiving or have a common language or have a laugh, that is important to us because historically we have went to mom and them, clergy or best friend mm-hmm. and had these conversations we not we wouldn't even go to a therapist right we wouldn't right. even consider that right so when because of that alone we're looking for are you qualified to talk at the most basic level plus 
and in and addition to, right? So we're looking for that. Um, so introducing coaching has been a very interesting test for our community and being able to branch them outside of that core community that we're so used to into the space of coaching has been an interesting transition. It's working, it's gaining in popularity. Um, and I, I anticipate that more and more will take advantage of coaching now that they are getting uh, referrals and testimonials from other people who are saying how their coach has made such an impact in their lives. So the rumor mill is started. And I know you probably hear the same at people like, I've, I never even considered coaching before now. And now I'm thinking about coaching. So this supports what you just said, that more people of color will get a coach now that we're in a different sort of climate about it. But you mentioned that people don't go get therapy. There's a stigma. There's a stigma among people of color about getting a, a therapist. I have my one of my Indian clients that says, are you kidding? If I told my parents I needed, I mean, she, this is a woman who's in her fifties, but if she had told her parents she needed a therapist, they were like, we got a therapy for you. You know, let's go to temple or work harder or something, whatever you can just plow your way through this. But because we don't go to therapy and the, the foundation of what I do is the inner critic. I do find my, that every single client I bring in, the first few sessions is about, it starts to look like a therapy session. Now I know I'm certified. I know I am not a therapist. I know how to recognize when you don't need a coach and you need a therapist, but getting down to the core of what's in your way that happened when you were eight is important to building your strategy. It's critical. Joya, it's not just important, it's critical. And here's the here's the reason why. And, it, and I, it's refreshing to hear you say that you use that particular uh, tool in your sessions because we must consider that people of color have who have challenges, historical, deeply rooted challenges, just if we're just talking about the United States, that has to be unpacked somewhere. And if you're not willing to go to therapy about it, it's still going to come up as you're navigating professionally up the corporate ladder. It's going to keep coming up. And until you are consciously aware of how that historical past is impacting how you view the world and the corporate culture, until you unpack that, you will not excel. You will not be as successful as you could be because you haven't released those parts and pieces from your past. Now, sometimes you have to have a coach and a therapy therapist at the same time, because sometimes you find when you're, you know, unpacking that inner critic, Joya, you know that you may run into the deeper rooted issues that will require therapy. And you may suggest that to your client, but you will go and coach based on your skills that you'll coach all the way up to that line of therapy and counseling without going beyond that, because, you know, that's what we do. But knowing that the gift you give your client is making sure that they are deeply aware of their past and how it impacts their future. And we build a toolkit. Yes. And the toolkit comes with a lot of powerful questions for that inner critic and for the racist behavior or for your self-sabotaging behavior. Then we can build a strategy for this step, next step, corporate movement, board meetings, but your self-awareness is so important to that. 
one of the statistics I did read earlier is that of of one over a hundred thousand coaches in this country, there's a lot of people in one field. So a hundred thousand coaches in this country, only nine percent of them are are black. And I wondered, and I couldn't find the stat for it, how many of those coaches are certified. And since you certify coaches, I want you to talk about the importance of certification. You know, like any other profession that needs to be taken seriously, I would submit that not having the right tools with this particular skill set will hold you at a disadvantage if you don't have the education. You are at a disadvantage. You will you will run the course of your expertise and knowledge based on your own his, history and your own world experience. You'll run your course, and then what do you do? So having the additional skills that will allow you to remove yourself, because most people even confuse what coaching really is. You know, the the when you look at that statistic about all the coaches that are um, 100,000 coaches just in the United States, and that certain segment that um, may or may not be qualified as far as certified to label themselves is that many of them are still advising from their own experiences. And in that space alone, that's not coaching, that's consulting. And when you run the course on your consulting style of coaching, you run out of things that you can share and do. And you basically are limited also to a particular segment of the population, very small uh, avatar of people that you can reach on a regular basis. But when you are skilled and you are certified, you are much more broad. You have access to more skills and resources and tools that would allow you to have greater impact and diversify your clientele. Yeah, you know, I was trained, I'm, I'm certified through ICF, International Coaching Federation. And the time in school, as you're saying, first and foremost told me, I'm never coaching from me. I'm never coaching from me, which means coaching from me is like you said, a consulting or advising. And if I'm really your coach, I'm never advising you. I'm never advising you. What I am doing is listening to you and asking a series of powerful questions that get you to reach your own place of peace and understanding. And all the metaphors we're taught and all of the core competencies we're taught. But I think the biggest, most important core competency is ethics. And that's what you don't know if you're not trained. You have to have an ethical relationship with your client. You have to have an ethical relationship to decide who should be your client. Absolutely. Yeah. 1000%. Because you should not take on a client, obviously, that you um, have too much in where you're too invested. Um, That's why I said there's a difference between coaching and consulting. Um, In our classrooms, we, we are... It's, it's important for us to make sure we clearly cl- clarify the roles from coaching, consulting, therapy, and mentoring. And that's because mentoring, therapy, and uh, consulting are lanes that people move in and out of on a regular basis. And they're so used to telling people what to do. Leaders tell people what to do all day. We exercise the muscle of telling people what to do. That's, that's well, who we are. We also enjoy telling people what to do. And we get mad when people don't take our advice 
after we tell them what to do. And if you if you can if you find yourself and you know if your anyone in your audience finds themselves in that statement, then you know you're not a coach. Yes, exactly. because you enjoy you get frustrated when someone does not take your advice and you get frustrated because why did you come to me then if you weren't going to heed to my advice? Yeah. And that is a perfect example of you're not a coach yeah. because you have to be able to detach yourself from the outcome or be able to separate yourself from what the client really wants, whether, and what, when you're in a session, I'm not giving my advice. Just like you said, Joy, it is not about me. It's 1000% about the client. And the moment that I make it about me and, or begin to co-sign and try to and relate and say, yeah, me too. I know exactly what you mean. That happened to me. You're no longer coaching. And in a good coaching situation, you tell the, you tell your client when you're about to tell a personal story and yeah. you choose when that personal story should be told because yes. it would enhance their education. Like That's I'm right. going to share a personal story and this happened to me mm-hmm. just because you want them to share 90% of the time you may have a story that always relates to what they have to say, but you can't share that story That's right. because it would interfere with their learning process on my computer base. My, my computer is elevated on my computer base. I have the words, what would you have me say? And I glance at it often because I don't want to say the limited knowledge I just have. I want to have it come from something maybe greater and higher than me. And I'm not a religious person, a greater and higher than me, but also to lean into my training. And I think my clients benefit from that. So we talk about coaching. Tell us about your program. I mean, you have set up a program through your company, Coach Diversity, to make sure that there's a a larger um, availability of people of color who are certified coaches. That's right. Our, um, we have three service areas. One is certifying in the coaching skill set. The second is providing coaches to organizations. And the third is uh, customized training and education for organizations. People come to Coach Diversity because they want a diverse clientele. They do not want to have anything stand in the way between them and being able to uh, coach across diverse lines where diversity can be several things. One, layer one, which is the obvious things that we see, and then layer two, which is deeply embedded in culture, education status, you know, all kinds of Life experience. Life experiences, yes. And the deeper things that matter the most and how it really impacts your life. And so I started Coach Diversity because I wanted to color coaching. I got tired of being the only one of my kind in conferences and events. I, I really was struggling with how does this curriculum be, you know, the school I went to was IPEC. It was Bruce Snyder is amazing. Um, but I, I still missed something super important. That is, what about someone who experienced the world differently? What about someone who had no choice in how the world received them? How does this apply to them? And that was the beginning of my change because then I had to learn how to coach people of difference in a way that I wasn't taught. And then I realized that I was moving into the space of having to write a curriculum so that people could coach across diverse lines. 
What are the challenges and frustrations that are unique to these particular groups, these demographic groups that you must be aware of, that you must consider at all times so that you can establish trust and that you can establish that uh, level of respect and understanding and have a fruitful coaching session. And so our intention is anyone who is deeply forward thinking, um, and, and interested in being in that space, I can teach you not to have challenge across diverse lines. That's interesting, Tawana, mm-hmm. because I think what I'm hearing you say is that you're teaching a cultural sensitivity and an awareness and also to put aside one's natural biases. Absolutely. Okay. I've never coached well, a white woman. Oh, you have despite not. Despite having lots of white women in my life. Yeah. So I've never been asked to coach. Nobody's ever approached me. Mm-hmm. I ended up coaching only black women, not by design or marketing mm-hmm. is 10 years of this is what's happening here. And mm-hmm. I finally surround surrendered maybe earlier this year. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to market that way and go with it because it just kept coming to me. That's so, right. You're teaching now a coach like me that I would come in and not bring to the table whatever animosity I might have, whatever language differences I might have, sensitivity differences, and leave all my judgment at the table. You got it. Right. Okay. 1000%. And in our classroom, you're the first client. So I am actually coaching you through your challenges and obstacles and frustrations and history that will always reveal itself. But I'm also making you deeply aware of what are your non-negotiables. I will never be able to coach this particular demographic because of whatever reason. But you know that versus starting and saying, you know what, this isn't working and you not know why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not or not, be not or not willing to admit why. Yeah. So if you're an internal coach and you are assigned to coach employees and you have these biases and you have these judgments and you have these triggers and you are just coaching, but you realize I never coach at my best when I coach Joya. Yeah. And you don't even know why. Right. In our classroom, we help you discover the why or behind. You won't have the internal conversation to admit. Absolutely. Why. Absolutely. And it may not even be race or gender. It's just you don't like tall people. Exactly. (laughs) It's that granular. And it's okay. And I tell the students all the time, it is 1000% okay for you to be at choice, but you must know what your power position is. If you cannot coach these particular types of people, then you do not do it because these are people's lives we're talking about. These are careers. These are people making major decisions and they're thinking that you may be the right person to do that. And then something collides. Do yourself a favor and remove yourself from that. How would someone join your program? They want to be a coach or they want to get certified. They're hearing this conversation and it's ringing true to them. Okay. So they can find us obviously at coachdiversity.com. And all of your information will be in the description. All right. So coachdiversity.com, when you go on the website, we offer uh, several programs 
all the programs start at session one or level one. And as you increase or uh, in your learning, you just continue on to a different path. But we everyone starts at the same place, no matter who you are. And that's only because those core, those core competencies are essential. Like you're saying, ethics and all the other things that matter, those are critical foundational principles and co- competencies we must cover. So yes, they can visit us at uh, coachdiversity.com. You can also look at, for us on LinkedIn if you want to see who we are and how we engage every day. And you're also on LinkedIn so people can read your background and do what they have to do. Mm -hmm. Tawana, if you had one thing you wanted to say to two different, so I'm actually sure two answers. One thing you would say to anyone in senior leadership or close to getting there, what would you say to them about getting an executive coach? Oh, I, I would say, first of all, whether you wanted a coach or not, the skill of coaching is essential to your ability to lead in the 21st century. It is a, it is not only is an in-demand skill, but it's critical to, to becoming an inclusive leader. The, what we teach you, the core skills we teach you on how to improve employee engagement and performance that comes with those core competencies, listening like you've never listened to before, asking better questions, being able to um, manage time better. And I think the skills we are able to give, the coaching skills, are not only if you want to be coached or if you want to use the skills because you don't want to be a coach, but you want to be a better leader, coaching still still applies. But I would submit for those who are moving up the ladder, especially if you're transitioning from mid-career into senior leadership, I submit for you to consider that the coaching is just a gift. It is once you get the right coach and you're in flow with your coach, your performance increases, your level of awareness increases, you get rooted in your values, and you get to plan your future on your terms versus falling into corporate culture and being moved around and pulled around and not feeling comfortable. In mid-21st century, I believe executive coaching is truly a gift, but it's also the key to success. It helps you when when you feel like you're alone, when you feel like the organization is not sharing enough or not doing enough, you have a coach you can land on. Thank you for that. And the next question is, what would be your piece of advice for anybody who wants to be a certified coach? Uh, do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Uh, I think I, I've never, this is, you know, my story personally is when I discovered coaching. Now I have been in corporate America. I've been the, you know, done the whole thing. I realized after discovering coaching that it was the key ingredient missing from all the thought leadership I've ever studied that I've ever implemented or executed over these years. Coaching skills became the way to execute on everything that I had studied. So I submit that if you are a problem solver, coaching skills are just the best when you are a problem solver, learning how to navigate problems and planning. Um, But I will say, do not fall into the space of 
when people say I'm a coach and they're not certified because I have life experiences, don't fall into that bucket of people because this is truly a skill that must be learned um, with great impact and transformation and, and transformation can be had. And you can't do that without the skills. So it's, it's, I think it's a gift for me personally, and it was a gift to my clients. So I, I say, go for it. You said a gift to you personally. So why did you become a coach? Because it, it was the, well, I actually went through coaching because I was curious. And then when I got in it and it changed, it started to change my life. What was the curiosity? The curiosity was because everyone kept talking about it. It's like, what is this thing? What is it that is, what is coaching? And of course I'm a continuous learner. So I said, okay, fine. I'm going to go find out and be nosy. So I took my first class. I'm like, whoa, whoa, this is not what I thought. It was deeply transformational. It helped me, Joya, it was the part you said earlier, help me to unpack the things that I had buried or, or moved into a closet and closed the door and said, okay, he can stay there. It helped me to become more consciously aware of how those things were still very much a part of an anchor in my life where I was not moving forward. I had to do now because the curriculum didn't speak to me as a black woman. I had to do my own work though, but I was super intuitive and in knowing like, I, I, I think I know how to move, move things along. Um, and it changed everything about, I became more calm. I became super thoughtful, um, I, listening. Oh my Lord. My kids at three it. level at yes. third level listening. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can you explain yes. to the audience th third level listening as opposed to one and two? <laughs> well, the, the one thing I will say without getting a little, uh, too technical is, um, listening for what is not said mm -hmm. is, is That's fourth level. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. I was like being able to get to a place where you're listening for what's, for what's not been said, but you're also listening with the understanding that you are not going to um, interfere or misinterpret. You're looking for clarity. You're looking for not to assume meaning in words. Um, that is super important too in, in the listening space. Yeah. Well, what, what I was saying about, and you, you, I just brought it since I brought it up. Level yes. one is, are you still talking? I need you to stop talking so right. I can talk. That's level one oh, listening. Yeah. That's level very two true. listening is, um, I'm really looking at my cell phone, but I'm kind of listening to you. Okay. Mm -hmm. The distractions. Yes. Level three is where coaches start. Level three is where you are totally present in that space. Mm -hmm. Nothing else is going on except your client talking or That's being right. in that team building thing. And as you That's describe right. level four, these are all ICF terms. It's different for everybody. But level four is when I'm listening beyond your words. That's right. Where my intuition kicks in. That's and that's right. the training. If you're not certified, you're not going to get. You're going to just be out there giving your advice, being frustrated at this person not letting you talk now. That's right. Because <laughs> you just right. need to give them your advice. Okay. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So Tawana, everything everybody needs to know about you will be in the description for this show. And I really do appreciate you coming on and telling people why coaching is so important. And 
And like you, I do it as a service. Yes. Because mm -hmm. I think there's something to it that can, for me, save a race of people. Oh, and, and empower everybody to make sure the world is clear and straight and at peace when my grandson becomes an adult. <laughs> so it's very, very selfish. <laughs> Joya, I say the same thing. People say, why do you do this? As far as coach diversity and the transformational work is because I want the world to be a better place for my children. Yes. And whatever little I can contribute to that is, is important and deeply meaningful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Tawana, thank you for joining me here on Unshackled Leadership and Lantern for Black Women. Thank you so much, Joy. It's been great speaking with you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Unshackled Leadership on Lantern for Black Women. I hope you were inspired to make a change in your life. I want to acknowledge the outstanding work of my sound engineer, Chris Downing, of Dream Life Media Group, graphic designer, Dominica Eldridge of Unique Creatives, and Victoria Cook of Next Level Marketing. Our theme music is called Morning Thoughts. It is composed and performed by Hotham of HothamMusic.com, and we found it on SoundCloud. I'm Joya Jefferson-Nuri. I hope you will join me again.